Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Ford Fiesta ST Line Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. ST Line? What's what what is this? Well, you know what this is, because I've had a Ford Fiesta ST Line before. About two years ago, believe it or not. <laughs> In the before times. <laughs> In the before times. It both feels like feels like I had it yesterday and a lifetime ago but yes so this is the latest version of the Ford Fiesta having had a small facelift between then and now mm-hmm. and the ST line is the ST alike <laughs> so it's the one which is a little bit sporty but it's not an ST okay it looks like an ST it, it has a, a little bit of, of suspension tuning but it's not the actual ST so it's more of a been breathed on Yes, it's a s- suspensiony breathed on. It's it's certainly more um more insurancey friendly. Okay. If you want an ST line Ford Fiesta, you have a choice of two. You have an ST line edition, which is what I was driving here, and you have an ST line edition X. Right. The edition X, and I'll try and stop with the susurration soon. Um, and the alliteration is uh, just adds a bit more kid. Okay. basically to what i'm going to talk about here there's three engine choices you can have for your st line edition there is a one liter 100 brake horsepower six speed manual petrol Mm -hmm. there is a one liter 125 metric horsepower mild hybrid with a six speed gearbox as well and there is a one liter 155 metric horsepower mild hybrid with a six speed Uh, an auto is available on the 125 brake horsepower version and indeed it's the 125 brake horsepower version that i had here so lowest st line spec middle engine okay you can have a three door or you can have a five door and this one was a five door although the three door is better looking five doors too many doors no too too no. many doors for a sports hatch. no no this is the person living on his own saying this yes who is mad <laughs> no he doesn't need back seats so yes the three door looks better sorry the three door does look better but the five door is you know it's a fiesta so it's quite a good looking little thing when it comes to paint and stuff flat red is free white is 275 pounds silver black or chrome blue which is the color that the one i had is is 525 pounds mm-hmm. magnetic which is a sort of graphite gray freedom blue which is a very pale blue or metropolis white which looks beige on the configurator i'm not sure if it's beige or if it's metallic white it costs 675 pounds and ruby red which is really nice it's one of these really just nice reds that there are around at the minute is 775 pounds cool the two options fitted to the test car that i had are chrome blue Mm -hmm. which is a sort of denim blue it's really nice it's the blue that you think of when you think of a of a fiesta st or similar okay yeah yeah. got you yeah it's that nice kind of mid blue little bit of gray in it really deep gloss to it and just nice it also had the driver assistance pack and between the pair of those that took the twenty one thousand three hundred and sixty five pound list price up to 200 up uh, not 200 
Wow. I know new cars are getting expensive, <laughs> but that's just extracting the urine. Up to £22,790. If you are to go onto Ford's own finance calculator and just leave everything at the defaults, you will end up with 36 months, 0% and zero deposit, and a £1,000 deposit allowance, so money off, for 9,000 miles a year for those three years is £386.19 per month. That's pretty good. Okay. That's pretty tempting, actually. Uh, but I think that's pretty good, given the, the level of spec we're about to talk about and just what it is. Uh, obviously, nobody's ever going to pay full list price on a Fiesta here in the UK. No. Outside of the Fiesta, it looks like a Fiesta. We all know what a Fiesta looks like. It is handsome. It's nicely proportioned. It's got a little sporty front lip. It's got little sporty side skirts. It's got a little sporty spoiler because it is the little sporty model. <laughs> the edition uh, has 17 inch alloys in what are they called? Rock metallic, which is kind of some mid metallic gray. A 17 inch five twin spoke alloys. If you go for the edition X, then you get. 18-inch alloys, but to be honest, I like the 17s. I thought they looked right. I thought they didn't look like they were going to self-curb. And, of course, a little bit of sidewall is quite good for ride comfort because I am an old person. Obviously, at this kind, because it's sporty, then it has privacy glass on the, the, the rear doors and the rear windows, which looks sporty. And that's about it really there's some nice little st line badges on the front wing just aft of the the front doors uh the, not the front doors the front wheels mm -hmm. it's a wheel wheels a round thing a door's an opening thing and that's pretty much it i mean it's disc brakes all round obviously because it is a sporty model and they sort of stop the car quite nicely as well as looking good okay uh, I, it's hard to say much more it's it's a fiesta there's not really sort of great nuances of design and it's not as if people don't know what they look like yeah, it it is a tricky one to, when it comes to for for us on an audio podcast. It is a, that is definitely the Fiesta. It'd be like a Corsa, not this current Corsa because they're quite new. But if say it was the last generation Corsa, it'd be like you've all seen one. You know what they are. Even people who don't care about cars will know if you said, "What does a Fiesta look like?" They will go, it's a, it's a "It's that thing. one there, isn't it?" <laughs> It's nice. It's it's sort of creasy. It's got lines with flow. It almost every model looks kind of sporty. Considering they're so ubiquitous, they've managed to make them still look good, still even look good. though we've seen them everywhere. Oh yeah, you still go. Actually, that's quite a good-looking car. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially in this, the the two ones that look best are the well, the ST and the ST line. We'll class those as one, and also the active. Yes ones the active with a little bit of cladding because a little bit of cladding looks like this was meant to be originally this was meant to be one with a bit of cladding sadly it isn't the active fiesta is the best looking car in their range at the moment for me mm -hmm. from, from a personal point of view that's the one i think looks the nicest yeah it's also the one that the puma is stealing all the sales from so mm. there we go right inside take us inside come on inside is like being inside a fiesta okay thank you right moving on no no i can't just keep using <laughs> yes. that uh, so okay uh you got a decent sized boot it is uh it is bigger than the previous generation yaris boot uh, that's not much help given the previous generation is now the previous generation and that also has an undercroft and there's a tire inflation kit and a 
I don't know if the first aid kit was because it was a press car, but there's some bits and pieces in there and some storage for shopping bags and all that kind of stuff that you'd want to keep under the boot floor. It's, it's just useful to stop it all sliding around. There are curry hooks. Good. On both sides. They're not. Excellent. They're, they're sort of molded in. And there's a solid rear parcel shelf as well, which feels like it's the kind of thing I should start to mention much more. Not only is it solid, it also has two strings attaching it to the, the tailgate. So they've not been penny pinching like mad at the back of the car where, where it's very easy to penny pinch mm. uh, because people don't generally notice. So I did sit in the back. The doors open decently wide. For my size 10s, it was the foot area was a bit hard to get feet in but that's to do with the fact that i have over large feet decent space once you're in though slide your feet under the front seats there's reasonable headroom there's reasonable shoulder space for if there's only going to be two of you in there obviously there could be could be three there are three uh three point seat belts in the back and there's lots of handy cubbies so there's cubbies in the door and bottle hold to a bottle holder in each door as well mm -hmm. and there's another one which you could easily lose a mobile phone in in the back of the sort of center console area as well okay seats seem comfortable enough obviously the it was the kind where the rear headrests go right down so to be comfortable in the back you did have to pull those up first uh, to be in any way any way comfortable but yeah perfectly perfectly serviceable in the back good in the front, I was going to say it's a sporty looking seat, which I don't know what that means really, but it looks, there was a little bit of bolstering on it. It wasn't overly firm, so it wasn't as if they, they were GRMN style where they are hefty bolsters and they are firm bolsters. These were, were quite squishy. They weren't as solid as they look, but the seats were still comfortable. I mean, I took this down to Hampshire and back, 240 miles round trip, I think it works out as. On about half a tank of fuel, by the way. And they were perfectly comfortable. Absolutely no problem with that. Uh, manual adjust, obviously. Not huge amounts of adjustment, but you could get it just right relatively quickly. It's one of the challenges where you have mega ultra adjustable seats. It's much, much harder to find that sweet spot where the seat is, is at its most comfortable for you. Certainly as far as I'm concerned. The dash binnacle was really quite smart and clear now part of that driver assistance pack was a 4.2 inch tft display in the middle of the instrument cluster so there was that in the middle but then it had the dials either side mm -hmm. so the the speedo the rev counter and then in the middle at the bottom the fuel gauge and the temperature gauge whenever you turned it all off all you could see were the needles for those Mm -hmm. So it was like black, but with these white needles, and then you turned it on, needles turned blue, and then all the various digits and, and warning lights and stuff in the background all then just showed through. It was a really nice solution, nice to look at, just worked. It was just nice. Good. So that's cool. It, it was just well done. Uh, that 4.2-inch screen, what you show on there is highly configurable as well. So so you could work your way through, and I, I was able to show the music that was being played via uh, CarPlay, and then the the sort of range, distance cover, and the average miles per gallon as well. Okay. Amongst other things, many, many things you could show, including the graphic of the road ahead, showing the lane keeping assist, uh, and if there are any vehicles ahead of you as well. Mm -hmm. In the middle, we've got the screen, uh, volume and selection knobs below with kind of nice rubber finish on the outside of them, kind of high grip finish and buttons in the middle, one of which took you back to the home the other one was the power on and off switch play 
skip buttons and a button to turn the screen to either be just a clock with a Ford logo above it uh, in, in sort of dark gray or to turn it off completely were there. So nice, big, obvious buttons. Good. Down at the bottom of the binnacle, then there were the ventilation controls. Right. They, they were fine. This So the, the Edition X comes with climate control. This being just the edition came with just came with aircon, which is fine, not a problem at all with with that. The one thing I did find was very difficult to begin with to get a happy setting, because obviously not being climate, then it's you've got hot and you've got cold and you've got a fan amount and you've got where the air's going. Now the fan and the temperature hot and coldy bits were fine i mean i'm, I'm used to that you know if you join the yaris or any you know, these you, that that are just the same but what i missed was the fact that because it was push button as to where you wanted it to go there was no graduation between it mm-hmm. i could have it at my face i could have it at my face and my feet i could have it at my face my feet and the the screen i could have it at face and screen or i could have it at uh feet and screen but i couldn't say well you know what i want most of it to go to the screen but a little bit to my feet like all or nothing. Whereas if it was just an analog knob, then I would actually have been able to do that. Okay. Otherwise, it worked just fine once I found a happy setting. But it did take me a while because normally I do most to the screen and a little bit to my feet. But I didn't have that option and splitting it 50-50 too much just seemed to go to my feet. That's a real mojo grumble, isn't it? I was going to say you were complaining of the extravagance of... <laughs> of the heat touching your feet (laughs) i'm not it just wasn't as easy to get comfortable as i am used to in older cars which have a simple knob not just behind the steering wheel (laughs) but uh but also for deciding where the air is going to go as opposed to techie buttons techie buttons work great with climate but you know when you want to be a bit more manual and not have to play with it every 20 seconds then it, it worked much better Center console has a cubby at the front, handy for phones and stuff. Uh, USB port, 12-volt socket, gear stick, uh, mode and traction buttons, and then a really smart, clever little trio of, of cup holders, which had two sort of large-ish holders for cans and McDonald's cups and these kind of things, and another smaller one in the middle for if you've got like one of those little, you know, little bottles of Tropicana that come with a McDonald's breakfast Oh yeah. if you decide not to have coffee, or, or one of those small bottles of sort of like, yeah, small bottles of Tropicana mostly. Uh, then there was a small circle in the middle for those. And as well as that, they had a really nice sort of translucent bit around it, which was illuminated blue as well whenever you had your, your lights on and things. So it lit up the bottom of your cup holders, which was quite good. It was handy if you had the phone or your keys down there because you actually see where they were. <laughs> so that was that was kind of fun. Behind that then, obviously, there was an armrest with a handy little tray at the top for keys, which you could lift out, another USB port, and some storage space for a couple of water bottles if you wanted. Uh, There was also a little notch out the front of that armrest so that if you had a cable plugged in uh, to the USB port in there, then obviously the cable came out without having you having to sort of have the, without getting in the way or getting tangled or getting damaged. So that was good. Nice touch. Useful stuff. Steering wheel, by the way, nice three-spoke wheel. It had two clusters of buttons, so obviously one on the left, one on the right. Uh, the bottom row across both of them, like three on either side, worked the entertainment-related stuff. Okay. Left-hand button clusters were all about the adaptive cruise and working that, and on the right were all the buttons were for navigating the menus on the little binnacle screen. 
Other than that, the interior was mostly quite dark. It was all very much dark gray or, or black, but it did have red stitching uh, as well to make it sporty. Lift it a little bit in there. So, so red stitching is always good. Mm-hmm. One last thing about the interior, which I realized I forgot to add to my notes, is and this is always worth half a star if we gave stars, is it had a roof sunglasses holder thing where you push it and it comes down. Nicely damped. That's always always something which I like to see in a car. I I wish my own cars had those. (laughs) Have you not found an aftermarket yet for your own cars? No. Sadly not. Oh, one thing, speaking of aftermarket, because I've seen actually on some cars you do get ones which go instead of the grab handles. Mm. There were no grab handles on the ceiling in, in the Fiesta at all. There were little hooks uh, above it for, you know, hanging your your jacket from. Oh, right. That's interesting. But there were no actual grab handles. No, no, yeah, yeah. I haven't looked in the in, in the car outside, actually, to see. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but no, in the, the Fiesta didn't have any. Okay, well, now you've sort of mentioned it, to talk to us about the driving. Uh, well, it was, I mean, I, I did quite a lot of motorway driving in this. Which means you shouldn't need a grab handle. <laughs> no, which is, I never needed the grab handle. I just, when I was sitting in the back, I noticed there were no grab handles. Yeah. It's not a fast car, but it is very much a nippy car. And it cruised very, very happily on the motorway. One thing about the engine in this is it keeps wanting you to change up and change up and change up. It does this eco-coaching thing Mm. on you, which I turned off eventually, because all it does is show you a little picture of of a foot on an accelerator pedal, and it's telling you to lift it. It's like, no, I wanted to go more slowly. I would be going more slowly. It's that simple, (laughs) which is a bit rubbish. But that said, even at that, uh, lots of adaptive crews driving down the M1 and M25 and the awfulness of the M3. It was very happy it got about 50 to the gallon which isn't bad for a little one liter sitting at national speed limits mm. or sitting or just cruising with all the other cars really you said this one was you had the hybrid one right so yeah this is a mild hybrid and uh, you know every time we get to the smmt figures we go well it's a car the big alternator isn't it and i'll tell you something my opinion has not changed <laughs> Uh, really at no point did this feel hybridy now some people might think that that's a good thing i on the other hand think well that's a bit of a waste isn't it so the engine's always on whenever you're running obviously it has auto start stop which i generally left just turned as it would be and it was completely seamless it was it it was non-interrupting it didn't cause any challenges or problems or or it was just unintrusive but as far as I can tell, mild hybrids are a way of making very small petrol engines feel like small diesel engines. <laughs> yeah, that, that it's a completely linear torque curve, or at least it feels like it's a linear torque curve. But what it does as well is it makes it very, very low revving, very torquey at low speed. So there's no point in driving it and sort of trying to you know rev the nadges off it, because there's no point. You're all done by like 4,000, frankly. And that's fine. And that's great, but it just, you, you're constant, it's, you just feel you're constantly short shifting all the time. Mm. You're in, you're in sixth before you're at 40 miles an hour. It feels like that would become quite tiring if you did a, a long cross country. Well, I discovered that you can change gear in this without it disengaging the cruise control. Oh, right. Wow. So you can, if you feel like it, the thing is, it's really, really talky. So you don't have to change gear. But you kind of feel you should be changing gear because of where the revs are. Mm. 
and because of how the engine sounds not necessarily how it's behaving but how the engine sounds and if you don't drive on the rev counter or you don't really pay that much attention to the little arrows going then um mostly then then that's fine. And to be in all fairness to it, if you do decide to press on, and this, by the way, can nip on on wiggly roads, really can make progress for all its 125 brake horsepower in a relatively heavy little car, then you can nip on in this. It just gives up. It goes, oh, you're playing like that, are you? Well, we won't bother even trying to tell you about what you should be doing for economy to its complete and total credit. And the S mode in the thing just waits up the steering, the electric power steering a bit and just gives a little bit more throttle response from the e-throttle, and it it, it it will go, and it will make a nice, thrappy three-cylinder noise. And that's cool, but it can just feel a little bit... It's not sluggish, because it's not sluggish at all, but it just... You, I never felt I was in the right gear if I was following the instructions it was giving me. Okay. Uh, and also, as I say, I just it was like all done by 4,000. 4,500. Yep. The other thing that was irritating about it was when you lift it off, what it does, it goes, I'm going to regen! So you'd immediate, you can't coast. Oh, okay. I found I couldn't coast very happily, and that's why it was so nice to drive it on the active cruise, to be perfectly frank, because it always wanted to be regening. If I lifted off, it would try and regen, and it was like having engine braking just pulling you down. Oof. And if I keep doing that and doing that back and forth head motion, people are going to complain that my voice got louder and quieter. That was quite... It was just a niggle. It wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible. It was just like, oh, you're doing that again. Mm. But the adaptive cruise meant that on long journeys, it wasn't an issue because you just stuck the adaptive cruise on the way you went. Yeah. I'm quite happy. Yeah. But generally, nicely weighted, nice size of steering wheel. Sounds like a silly thing to be commenting on, but it does make a difference in cars. Yep, I agree. And all that kind of that kind of thing. Just it was a lovely thing to drive. Absolutely on pat, as you would expect, with the reputation of a fiesta, and especially a mildly sporty fiesta. Cool. Tech. I, I've talked a little bit about the driver assistance pack and saying that it was weird to have a B segment hatch with lane keeping assist and adaptive cruise, and it gives a certain amount of dissonance when you think this is a luxury car thing. Why is it on this sporty hatchback? But it all worked and it all worked really well and it all was nice and seamless the one niggle to, to talk about is it did take me a long time to work out how to turn on the lane keeping assist because it was turned off when i got it it turns out it's a stalk uh, it's a button on the invisible on the end of the stalk which is invisible to you because it's hidden by the steering wheel rim Ah, uh, okay one of those i eventually after four days worked out and that's ah right now i've got the lane keeping assist on i, I could see that it existed but I could never see it turn on. It's very, very subtle. It just, you've got to be almost on the line before you do it, before it hits it. But that said, it's a very small car. So there is lots of leeway in larger lanes um, for that to happen. Okay. But the adaptive cruise was nice and smooth. It would take you down pretty much to a halt. But of course, being a manual, I didn't really let it go that far. But yeah, it was, it was good. That driving assistance pack, by the way, it includes that... 4.2 inch tft instrument cluster autonomous emergency braking including pedestrian autonomous emergency braking it was fine no false positives yep it worked good auto high beam i didn't really drive much in the dark speed sign recognition which it was very good at uh, driver alert so so just to just to ask the because i know there's different systems it was that via a camera 
Or was that via GPS? Yeah, that was via camera. Okay. It would do both. So you could tell if there was a difference. So the GPS, I was generally using CarPlay. So it would it would give a speed limit. Uh, but the camera one would always give the correct one if you were in uh, Roadworks or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that would work. Door edge protectors. You know the four doors where you open it and the, the edge protector goes out around the edge of the door? Mm-hmm. And then you close it and it disappears again. So that's very cool. The blind spot information system, which is always good. Advanced auto park, including front parking sensors, advanced auto park assistance, and a rear view camera. Worth mentioning, the auto park worked well at uh, the time I tried it. I tried it to reverse into a space. Okay. Not that I can't do that myself. I didn't try the parallel parking one. It was really easy. You just pressy button, pressy indicator stalk, and it uh, and it goes. Oh, there's a space. Reverse up a bit, would you? So you reverse, and it goes right. Put it into first and move slowly. So you do that, and you take your hands off and take your hands off the steering wheel, and the steering wheel does its thing whoosh, uh, as you go forward. Then it beeps and it says, "Right, put it into reverse." You put it into reverse. It goes whoosh, the other way, and uh, essentially with no faffing whatsoever it put me perfectly central between the white lines in the space and absolutely perpendicular to the pavement behind uh, and it just made a really neat job of it cool. neater than most people can do <laughs> including normally myself to be perfectly honest it just it did it in a one uh you know it so went forward and then reversed straight in that's good no problem at all. So that worked really nicely. Uh, if you do have that fitted to your car, do see how well it works because it, it, it can be quite good. I've played with the BMW system before, uh, not on the 4 Series. I didn't get a chance to try it on that. But certainly on my dad's 5 Series and tightish car parking spaces, it makes a really neat job and, and leaves you just a nice amount out from the curb. Uh, CarPlay, Android Auto work just as you'd expect CarPlay and Android Auto to work. Sync 3 uh, in the background of the Ford uh, Entertainment System Worked just fine for the radio, playing with settings, all these kind of things. It just it just, just did its thing. Okay, that's good. that's good. Right, so then, thoughts overall? It's a really good little all-rounder. It was economical, it drove well, it was comfortable, it was quiet. It had lots of, lots of decent tech in it. The caveat, of course, so good, good car. You would never diss anyone for, for buying this. The caveat, of course, is that you go into any car park in the UK and you will see at least two very similar spec cars between where you parked, probably if you're listening to this at the far edge of the car park, um, <laughs> and the shops. It's a really good little car. It is You are invisible when you're driving it almost. As I say, I wouldn't judge anyone harshly for buying this or choosing to buy this uh, uh, over uh, over other small cars. It's It's a nice thing, a nice place to be. Yeah, I liked it. I really did. Okay, good. The big catch in that being that I like odd cars, so so that that was the only thing that I could really say that would that, that, that stop me saying go for it. Mm. Okay, that's pretty much that then, I guess. Don't forget, everyone, that between now and the next time, you give us any feedback, and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of MotoringPodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know 
Uh, once again, in a variety of different ways of you saying, but it's like a fiesta, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Best way is to use Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back before very long, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.